Do you crave deep and meaningful conversations? The kind of conversations that jazz you up, stretch your mind, and leave you wanting more? Welcome to Suzanne Says, Courageous Conversations About Life and Living. I'm your host, Suzanne Bird-Harris, and I talk with friends and colleagues about what lights them up, their fears and flaws, who they've been, who they are, and who they're becoming. You know, the stuff that makes and breaks us. So get comfy. Here we go. Hey, Lori, how are you today? I am fantastic, Suzanne. And how are you? (laughs) I'm great. I am so glad we're doing this. Um, I have wanted to do this for a very long time. And you're one of my favoriteest people to talk to anyway. So I'm so glad you said yes to coming on here with me. My pleasure. Um, For the folks that don't know you as well as I do, and without mentioning what you do for people, who is Lori Howard? (laughs) Without mentioning what I do for people. Oh, man. That's not a question to ask without preparation. (laughs) I don't think I've ever been asked, who am I, without describing what I do. Isn't that interesting? Well, you won't be surprised that that happened first with (laughs) Suzanne, will you? (laughs) Um, Who am I? That's an excellent question. I don't even know how to describe myself. Um, Who do you think I am, Suzanne? Uh -uh, You don't get to answer a question with a question. (laughs) Oh, I thought that was a great idea. (laughs) Nice try, though. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to have a long pause here. It is a it is a stunningly simple yet difficult question. I give you that. Well, my first answer is, well, I'm Lori. Who else would I? You know, and I it's kind of a it's funny thing. I don't think of of all the different ways I describe myself. Like I don't really describe. I don't feel like I have ever answered the who am I question without talking about things that I do or what I do for a living. They're all so Mm -hmm. heavily intertwined. Um, I am a (laughs) I am a woman. I identify as a woman. I'm clear on that. Um, I am very passionate about, I'm very passionate and faithful to my friends, to my family, to the people I care about. Um, If I am in someone's corner, I am in your corner, even if you may not like it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes people say, Lori, can you just back that up a little bit? And I'll say, oh, okay. Uh, I'm perfectly willing to accommodate. I don't always know I've gone too far, but I, I am, I am so in your corner when I'm in your corner, um, and that's true whether someone works for me, works with me, or we are friends, or uh, even some of my acquaintances, people that I just sort of lock onto and really believe in. Mm-hmm. You know, when I believe in someone and what they're doing and find them doing an amazing thing, uh, I want to, I want to be there. I want to support them. I want to support them in real ways, not just say, good job. Right. Uh, so I do find that there are certain things that inspire me to take action. Um, when I see people who have, you know, and in this case, I think of a couple of clients who have really just, I'm very inspired by people who take responsibility for their lives and mm. then have a thing that they want to do, whether that's a hobby thing, a fun thing, or a work thing. If they have, yeah a vision and mission and it really will and and where I and typically it's things where I can see the impact and the potential of the impact on other people and I feel like bringing that thing into the world will make it a better place mm-hmm. bringing that experience into the world will make it a better place than I am and if you're pursuing your passion whoever you may be I'm very much on board with people pursuing the things that that drive them you know I was very excited about uh, this conversations with Suzanne and I don't even know where it'll go, but I don't even have an imagination of where it'll go, but I know it will be a good and beautiful thing. And I'm <laughs> excited that you're doing it because you're excited about doing it. And then I'm more excited about you doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great how that works? Yeah. I mean, really, and we're without saying what either of us do, we are yeah. positioned to see that yeah. in our lives more often yeah. than most folks, I think. Yeah, I have friends who I have, I just, 
I am their cheerleader. I have one friend who just invites me to certain things when she needs her cheerleader in her audience. Right. She knows I'm going to be there and support her for real um, and give her honest feedback, but also encouraging feedback. It took me a long time to realize that feedback always has something positive. In it. Right. There's always something affirmative to say. Uh, I much more naturally go for the critic side. Um, but there are always things to identify, to build on, to keep that someone's done well. And people don't, none of us, in very few times do we intuitively know what we've done. If we're asking for feedback, we're not 100% certain what's right. Like if you could also tell me what I did well, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, uh, love cats, love cats. <laughs> I am a cat person. I like dogs. I have no issue with dogs. Um, I just more, I'm allergic to dogs. So I tend to be more, of, oh, I'm a cat owner or cat, or I'm the, I'm the owned. <laughs> yeah, that's true with cats for sure. I'm pretty sure I am. I am you are tolerated am. by a cat. <laughs> no, I think she likes me, um, but I am definitely the trained servant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I apparently am highly trainable. I don't know if you hear, hopefully not, but I've got a cat that I lovingly call rental cat because oh. I borrowed him from my <laughs> oldest son, her. I mean, turns out as is my luck in the way my life goes, rental cat was pregnant when I borrowed her and she had a kitten, one kitten. Oh. And it is the cutest little thing. So now I've got this little bitty, maybe three, four, three week old kitten and this loudest meow, meow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she was like that before she became a mommy, but oh my goodness, now that she is, she won't shut up. And she's very, very, very good mouser, which is why she was invited to come live with me. <laughs> <laughs> and within two days, she had me eradicated. And now I'm like, mm, maybe some prevention would be good. So she got to hang around and then she popped out this kitty and I'm like, well, all right. So now we got to do this six to eight week kitty thing. And of course, Lexi is trying to campaign to keep said kitten, kitten and oh, send yeah. rental cat back home. But I am I am the opposite of you. I am much more a dog person um, because yeah. <laughs> I get enough judgment in my life. I don't need a cat, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, my dad was a dog person until the the first cat we adopted when I was a girl when I was a child. His name was George George Springer because he sprang everywhere. And George, for uh, curious George, but he won my dad over from cat hater, from cat uh, torturer. Really, I mean, he didn't really torture, but he was he was not kind. He was like, "I'll throw water on you, chase you away." Yeah, and boy, George was the he was the cat, and even after we adopted him, he was very much the cat that he would spot and target the cat hater in the room uh -huh. when the guests would come. He's like, "You, you will love me before you leave." <laughs> I'm fantastic and I think I can win you over and he would just win everyone over including my dad which is how we ended up he went from being you know no you may not come inside get off the you know get off he, we had screen windows so he was always on the screen throwing water on him to chase him out to letting him in to us taking him home <laughs> so, oh that's awesome it, was, it is it's like oh uh, George is that cat who could just go you you'll love me you'll see <laughs> so people would end up cat haters would tolerate him and go well it's okay because it's George I have Aww. won you I am persistent and I know you'll think I'm great <laughs> you'll see <laughs> I know you say you hate me but you love me everybody who came over he would just he would go hmm cat hater let me come to you and <laughs> convert you to a cat lover <laughs> To the point where my dad would go out and look at kittens everywhere and come home and tell stories about cats he'd met at work. And um, he was a, a, a service engineer. So he would go visit office sites and he would be like, oh, there was this cutest little cat today. What happened? Boy, <laughs> I couldn't have done that to him. But boy, George had an impact. <laughs> so maybe kitten will, will win you, you all. You know, my marketer. <laughs> My marketer brain never turns off and the marketing version of that story that I hear, oh, honey, there's a whole conversation there, isn't there? 
probably there are life lessons in there for all of us i think marketing as taught by my cat george <laughs> That's right. yes george is marketing george well, is marketing guru <laughs> oh lordy i'll tell you what you look around sometimes and you get convinced real quick that people are using even crazier ideas for marketing than George Springer, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's cute. So, so now tell me what you do. I am an executive coach and I work with technology leaders and executives to help them find their right fit next job where they can increase their visibility, uh, increase their impact and get paid what they deserve. Awesome. So you teach him how to see life like George. <laughs> you will love me. Just love hold me. on a second. Come on. Come on. <laughs> let me let me show you why. Let me teach you how to love me. Let me show you how I can do that. <laughs> you love me and you will offer me a job and you will pay me well. Yeah. <laughs> and you will understand what value I bring. You are not far off, actually, because I have the privilege of knowing pretty well what you do and how you go about doing it. And uh, George had an impact for sure, because <laughs> he lives today in Lori Howard coaching, that's for sure. Because that's, that's just what you do, you know, you, you help people figure out what it is that they most want to be doing, yep. and then help them find a place to do that yeah. in, the, in the way that means something to them, which is very close to my mission statement I've got for me, you know, I, oh, imagine that. I imagine that might be why we uh, know each other and, <laughs> and uh, get along so well, huh? <laughs> if you didn't, if you didn't get paid to do what you do, would you still do it? Sure. I would. I can't, I, I mean, I'd rather get paid for it, right? Let's face it. It's a high value service, but um, I was doing it before I knew it was a thing. Yeah. You know, that's what, and it just took me a long time to see that it was a thing that could be done separate from my other, you know, my job in, you know, at the time when I was back when I was a corporate executive mm-hmm. that um, it took me a while to realize that, but I had been doing this piece from probably from the first time, oh, probably from right out of school, honestly, because mm-hmm. I was always trying to figure out what would be a good fit for me. And, you know, when I first started looking, there weren't answers. Nobody knew what to tell people. They only do, there certainly wasn't a process to figure it out. Yeah, give, me, give the folks some context here. When did you bust out on your own away from corporate and start your so, own business? Yeah, so in 2007, uh, 2006, I left my corporate gig where I was vice president uh, on the tech side of a financial services firm. And then... I started my own business, but even before then, when I first started, you know, right out of school, almost right out of college in my first or second, probably my second or third job, I was helping, you know, the first time I was promoted to any kind of supervisory role, I was helping people find jobs they loved. I'll never forget, you know, back then it wasn't cool for people to say they wanted to do something they liked. Mm-hmm. or to talk about it while they were working somewhere else. And I had one of the guys on my team came and said, I want to do this. And I was like, great, how can I support you? And all the other supervisors and managers looked at me like I had lost my mind. Why would you support that? Because that's what he wants to do. Look, here's what we'll do. We'll help him get what he wants. Someone else who wants his job can come in and take that. And everybody's happy and everybody does that. And it just took me a while to realize I could do that as its own thing and do that full time instead of sort of in the wings part-time or as part of my job as manager. Uh, when I realized other managers weren't doing that at all, <laughs> I was like, oh, why are they not doing this? Oh, cause it's a different job, Lori. Just took me a long time to, to, to see that that was the case and that I could do this as a full-time job. Gotcha. Um, and so I have at the core, it's always been about helping people find a thing they really would enjoy doing next. What is that thing you've been you know, what is that thing that satisfies you that you feel really proud of and that pays for all your stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that used to be how I described what I did, but I'll help you figure out what you love to do and pay for all your stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was uh, uh, because for most of my clients at this point, it's not about there's a component that's about the money. 
but it's not just about making more money. Mm-hmm. It is always about something else. Like there you is know, money. I think that's always been true. Yeah. Um, and I think the support in our society and culture that is present now that wasn't, even when you and I entered the workforce, it, you and I are of a certain age and we've been around a while. And I clearly remember back in the early 80s that you're right. It's not a function of what do you want to do? It's what are you good at? Where can you go serve? Um, And we're not really interested whether that floats your boat or not. And you just get in there and do your job and do well. And all that soft, so-called soft stuff um well, there was I very, it leads to heart attacks if you don't pay attention to it there was very much a a it's work it's not supposed to be yes. fun yes so yes. what are you looking for be great oh, man the hours of, of guilt over yeah. wanting to do something that brings you joy or yeah. brings you at least not misery <laughs> you know <laughs> or that you feel yeah. selfish if you're not happy in your job, but it pays well, it pays the bills. What are you bitching about? Yeah. You know, was the attitude back then. Very much. You should be grateful for what you have. Quit your whining, get back to work. Get her done. Yep. And, um, you know, I think to some degree, the millennials have really, the millennial generation really positively impacted the workplace because they came in and went, no, you should like (laughs) what you do and started asking questions. Well, Will I like this? Well, if I hire, you know, and now that they're in hiring roles, will you like this? Do you want this job or are you just looking for a job? Like you should love mm-hmm. what you do. So don't, you know, don't apply for this. And I think that's a great gift that we all get to now go, oh, wait, what do I want to do? Uh, and, and the reality is for, for, for a bunch of us, we weren't, there was never any, there was teaching around, you could learn how to identify your strengths. Mm-hmm. Nobody talked to you about what you enjoy. So when I, even back in 2000, in the early 2000s, before I left my corporate gig, I went to a career coach. I did a lot of work. And every time I did, the same thing would come back. It's like, this is what you're good at. You're good at what you do. So you should keep doing that. And I was like, well, that's great. I mean, I know I'm good at it, but I don't really feel fulfilled by it. Can I do something else? No, you should do this because this is what you're really good at. Like, hmm. And then by the time I left, I was getting really, I would just find myself being instantly annoyed by people who got lucky enough, because that's how I saw it, that they got lucky yeah. and found something they loved to do. And how it was so unfair that they got to be blessed with this gift of doing something they loved. And I was cursed to do something I didn't, to be great at something I didn't love. And it just was so twisted in my head. I didn't understand. I didn't know what to do. And nobody Mm -hmm. was out there helping people with that at the time. You know, even in 2006, 2007, there wasn't a lot of coaching. There wasn't any real coaching focused on what what would you like? Certainly not in the career development space. It wasn't really, it was just more skills, hardcore skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think the money became the thing because money is easier to measure. We can all look at the bank account. We can look at the check and we can see what the dollar. It's harder to measure the how satisfied are you? Do you feel, yeah. Do you feel fulfilled? Are you having the impact you want? Is yeah. there some, you know, we don't always have language for that. Yeah. Hmm. So. Man, there's so much unpacked just in that little five minutes right there, especially from the perspective of just what you and I have experienced and watched change over the last 40. I just realized the other day that this month is 40th anniversary of me moving out of my parents' house. And I'm like, I've been, done that math. yeah, I'm sure 40, my numbers are close to yours, but yeah. I've not done that math. <laughs> it's 40 years since I struck out on my own. Now I did go back once for about nine months and that's all it took. I never did do that again, no matter what position I got in, because once you're out for me, yeah. once I got out of my parents' home and their rules and their curfews and their, you know, and it's not like I abandoned all that and left it with right. them, you know, it's instilled in me. <laughs> I was heavily I influenced. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and the previous, all, the previous they, chunk of time, really. 
they had yeah. an impact. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. 17 and a half years really did a number on me, Especially you know. You were your first 17. Yeah, and you know, but I'm I'm probably the poster girl for uh, how why not to do what I did because <laughs> it took me a lot longer, I think, to figure out a what was important to be thinking about, mm-hmm. and then b to get to the thinking about those important things in a context that actually do me some good. The things that were true back in the early '80s are it's really wild to see how things are different now in the workplace, even just, I mean, never mind COVID and the impact it's had in the last 18 months. Prior to that, you know, you don't have to go back very far for people like you and I, because like, if you started in 2007, I remember very clearly I was restarting Mm. because in 2006, my house burned down and it kind of just like, oh, leveled the playing field in a big way. And I started over and that's when I realized, okay, no more. Cause I came out of a tech background as well. I did 20 years as a programmer and systems yep. analyst in engineering and very, very techie. And so very much not the personality to be in that field at that time with all those men, you know, but now in 2007 is when I decided, okay, no more because it's technically related. I'll help you because I was all over the place. That's mm. when I chose WordPress and mm. zeroed in on building WordPress websites and restarted my business. So, you know, even in that time, from that time to now, look how much has changed. I mean, that's oh. this work at home well, stuff is old hat for us. Yeah. And yet well, to watch the that. rest of the world do yeah. it, it's like, oh yeah, we can help you with some tips here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting to think about um because I because I track your business based on what I was doing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> because when I because I came I started my business in 2007. I launched my own website because I came out of tech. Even though I hadn't been a programmer for years, I uh-huh. still I designed my own website in HTML and then redesigned it when someone in probably 2010. But then I think the next time I redid my site at that point. I had had enough trouble and enough grown-up challenges with my business that I came to you. I was lucky enough to get referred to you to bail me out of some trouble I had with trying to do it all myself. Right. Um, but it's because um, now I wouldn't even it change. It can, I forgot that thing that I knew about tech is that it changes like that. Everything yeah. changes so fast. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want to. I don't want to be hands-on like that mm-hmm. at this stage or even when I first started to, to work with you to figure out what I was doing. But I think I went through several incarnations mm-hmm. just because, and because I came out of tech, I was like, well, I can do this right. for a while. I had done it. I had done several, you know, somewhere in that time. I think the other thing that um, I was about to say that I had done several websites for theater company because I was much more involved in theater back then. And I think the one thing that caught me off guard was not understanding, you know, we were talking about figuring out what you want to do what's mm-hmm. going to give you meaning and impact is that those things can change. Yeah. It totally blindsided me that once I figured them out, they could shift. Yeah. Things could happen in my life and it would change how I viewed things. Yeah. Um, usually significant things, uh, the, the beginning or end of a significant relationship, the life or death of some, you know, the birth or death of a loved one, major, you know, you know, even the fact that I was, you know, when I left corporate, I didn't leave by myself. The whole company I had been in for a while was going through some dramatic changes. And so all of my people that I knew were now all dispersed and we still weren't quite other than email. You couldn't keep connected so well yet. The the options you have today to stay in touch are far more plentiful than what was available. And, and it was new enough that we just didn't really do that. Right. (laughs) Right. When we grew up, it's like you move, those people are gone and maybe you get in touch with them occasionally throughout your life. But once you're geographically separated, it's too expensive. So it's like, oh, that's not true anymore. And we no longer had time to sit down and write letters and lick a stand. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did write letters in college. I didn't write letters. Once we all scattered to the various parts of the planet no one's st- it wasn't like it was just me no one stayed in touch it's like unless they lived next door to each other there was no yeah uh staying in touch because it was hard 
It's like, I can't afford to call you. I can't, you know, and if I send a letter, well, what if you move? Who knows when it will get to you? And well, writing a letter just is tedious and long. <laughs> you know, I had this, uh, when I was, had moved back home for that nine months, I remember my mother getting so mad at me. And this was 1984. Mm. <laughs> getting so mad at me for calling a friend in New York, even though I had waited until after 11 p.m. And, uh, you know, the concept of paying per minute for long distance now is like, what? <laughs> Why? And, but it's crazy. It's crazy to, to think about how those, those things, and it's not like, they're not coming at us still fast and furious. They are um, certainly events like COVID will accelerate that and, and uh, put it in areas where we are surprised to find it impacting or things changing as a result of that. But uh, so how, how are you different now than when you started your business? How have you as a person changed? What's What's better and what's not so better about who you are today versus that woman who was an employee and a VP and a oh. corporate structure? And I mean, that sounds real fancy pants to me, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, what's, oh my goodness, so much is different. So much is different. Well, there's different in just like my day to day interaction, right? Which yeah. I guess more people are experiencing now. I worked from yeah. home immediately. Um, I will say that the pandemic encouraged, you know, COVID really helped people get comfortable do, using Zoom and video. And yeah. so I now do all of my client work. I don't do phone calls anymore. Which I actually quite like for the most part. You know, I much prefer being able to see someone when I'm talking to them. Yes. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad that helped people kind of, because it was hard to get people to do video. Right. Um, I think, you know, I went to the office no, no, no. I'm talking yeah, about I know, who I know. I'm just you trying are. to remember. I know what you're doing. I know what you're asking. <laughs> I'm just trying to remember. It's so funny. It's like, oh, it was long ago. I think there are parts <laughs> of me that were, I think having my own business, I am not always as, and working by myself, I'm not as fearless as I once was. And not that I didn't feel fear, but I would just get ideas in my head and run with them when I worked in a corporate, in part because it wasn't there was no time to second guess. There right. was just, you're going to do it. You taught, and there were people around to, to vet your ideas with and then go. But I also had more, I think my work days were more broken out. It, it wasn't always, you know, when I work now, it's mostly, I am trying, I'm doing everything I can to bring the best of what I offer to everything I do. The mm -hmm. best of what I know, the best to the best of my ability honestly, let's face it, as employees, you had downtime. There were days that I could just sit and clean my office and I still got paid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I still took home a paycheck for sitting down and doing the administrative stuff every once in a while. Um, and I, was I think that high. was probably the most abrupt <laughs> difference for me to deal with was that administrivia that you have to do. You have to do some yeah. measure of it. Yeah. But you don't get paid for that as a self-employed person. You do as an employee, but you yeah. don't as a self-employed person. Right. And I'm like, holy cats, wait a minute. I'm in volunteer hours here. What is this? Uh-uh. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's tricky. And it's like, and, and honestly, some of that stuff wasn't necessary. You know, some of that administrative stuff wasn't even necessary, but it gave your brain a break. Yes. So you could stop and put stuff away and think stuff through and didn't really worry about it. And your brain just, and I didn't really think about this consciously back then. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, if I do that, then I'll come back to this thing fresh and I'll have ideas or it would allow me to switch out different. It doesn't feel the same now. It doesn't feel like, oh, okay, I can do this. Like, because you know, you're not getting paid for it. And you're like, okay, I have to keep this tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to be, I still, even if I'm doing administrative stuff, I have to at least be efficient, which yes. makes it a little less mindless, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Lori, all you've done is move things from pile A to pile B. That's okay. You know, <laughs> I would never think that was okay now. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. no, 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 no. That has to have meaning or it shouldn't have been done. 
Or, so, no, I was reviewing. I was reviewing all that yeah. material. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, so there were more, I think there was more, well, there was a structure to the day and the day ended. It is harder yeah. to end the day when there's yeah. stuff to be done where I would get, and I think part of that, I wonder how that would be if you were working from home. I, I am imagining that working from home, even doing that work, it is harder to leave behind because at least then you would physically leave a space. Now I have an office. I, that's what drove me to set up a separate office. Mm -hmm. I'm dedicating a space to work so that I could leave it at the end of the day. Okay, now here's the truth serum question for you. Yes. Rooted in my own inability to answer positively this question. <laughs> I too, I too designated uh, one of the bedrooms in my house as my yeah. office. So I could have a space to walk away from and shut a door behind. Yeah. Do you do it? I do leave it because it's not a tablet. <laughs> it is a hard <laughs> device. And I do, I leave at the end of the day. Now I don't have a door. Um, I probably need to invest. It, it's a I use what, what was officially the dining room as my office in gotcha. this floor plan. So there's not a door, there's an art, there's an open area. Um, but for the most part, I do, I do leave. Um, it would be good if I could close this off and I, for whatever reason, have never like gone to the trouble of hanging a curtain that I could close. Mm -hmm. um, Kitty doesn't leave. So, you know, we have to leave the fake the open door open for her I don't know what that's about <laughs> no she'll she'll stay after hours <laughs> yeah I find myself probably the biggest hindrance I have to setting reasonable work hours is there is too much like too much of my work also interests me in the applications outside of my work for those skills okay you know what I mean like I do a lot of Photoshop work for my yeah. work in web design, but Photoshop could entertain me from Friday night to Monday morning with non-work applications for learning more about it okay. and doing things in it. Yeah. So it used to be a real problem when the kids were all still young and at home, they'd look at me and they'd, they'd say, oh, mom's working when, you know, it's 930 at night. And often I was still working then, but not always. Sometimes I was learning, which is fun for me, or sometimes I was creating just yeah. for the outlet. And to them, me, I was still sitting, mousing, keyboarding right. on a computer and they couldn't uh, tell the difference. Right. And then they got wind of the fact that that stuff existed in there. And then of course, whenever it was inconvenient for them that I was working, I was just playing, you know, because oh, they started, yeah. like, oh, well, you're not working, you're playing, come <laughs> on, you can do this with us, or you can take me here, or whatever, so that, that bleeds over, though, into my ability to get up out of this room, and shut the door, and have a life outside of my work, because I let it bleed in too much. You know, I, I used to have a really, for a period of time over the last year, I had a really great sort of work schedule, mm -hmm. a consistent schedule, because I would get up at 5 a.m. The problem with that is that some of my clients need to meet after work, yeah. and I can't get up at 5 a.m. and be working at 8 p.m. Yeah, with I just, that's a long day to, because it's not like I would take a break in the middle and go play and then come back and work some more. Because mm -hmm. if I took a break in the middle of the day, I wasn't coming back. <laughs> my brain doesn't do that you know I, it has I will say that one of the things that's different is that I have to be much more tuned in and pay attention to things I think one is where my energy flows what makes me feel energized what makes me feel depleted and then the other thing is understanding and accepting that that might change you know the rules for that yeah. for my brain and body three years ago might not be the same today so I have to continuously monitor okay, this thing gave me joy and, and perked me up, but now it's draining me. Okay. Is it worth it? Is there something that I'm doing in that that's worth that time? And, yeah. and then I evaluate and then I'm constant. I find myself, especially this year, continuously reevaluating the cost of things. And mm -hmm. cost is not necessarily money, could be money, right. right. financially spending, but what is my energy spend on this? Yeah. I come out of that feeling depleted. That's cost. How much is it costing me? Can I, how quickly can I turn back around? And I find that I, and I never had to be that on top of that mm -hmm. before. 
I had built-in breaks, my commute in and my commute home. I could take a little nap if I was taking public transportation or I just would take a little nap even if I didn't want to, um, you know, or I would get a little mental break just by driving home instead of working and that would transition me. And, mm -hmm. and there, was a, there was a clean end, right? You're yeah. leaving, yeah. you were finished. I rarely, if ever, I didn't take work home um, and I know that a lot of people do that now. I've always, I learned very early um, that if you're working a lot of hours and if you're working a lot of overtime consistently, uh, and I learned this in the context of being an employee, that you're doing something wrong. You are mismanaging your time or you're not communicating to the people who need to know what it actually takes to do a thing. So I made yeah. a commitment very early in my career to not, no, you know, occasional overtime but nothing consistent. Yeah. So I didn't, you know, so pretty consistently that would be a clean finish, but now I find the only, I just have to be so much more tuned in to, and I find that, you know, I have some clients who are, you know, they're, they're senior level leaders of an organization. They have to do the same thing because you run out of steam. Mm -hmm. You can't <laughs> like mm -hmm. the one thing I need to not do. I need to keep my energy up. So how do I do that? Well, I can't, you know, you're not going to do that artificially because that also wreaks havoc on your system. Yeah. It comes at a price. It's like, okay, well that, and that's only ever temporary. So what do you, you know, so that's a, that's something that I never even knew really. I didn't give much thought to Yeah, go to work, go play, go to work, go play or rest. So and how, now, how has um, those kinds of changes impacted what community means to you? Mm. Because you and I have both been at home yeah. in our yeah. little work bubbles for better yeah. than 20 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And much of what happens on the outside doesn't directly impact us now. Yeah. It took a long time for COVID and the pandemic to impact me. Yeah. In any way, shape, or form beyond the inconvenience of restaurants and things being closed. You know, and I had already started to embrace the, I mean, I live in Chicago, major metropolitan area. I had already embraced the online ordering and delivery process. Oh, yeah, me it too. is one of my favorite, like, I love it when people bring me food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wasn't doing it with food so much, but oh, I, I was an early adopter of bring me my groceries. Amazon, but it was bring me groceries, yeah. bring me dinner. I, I, and so I was really annoyed early on in the pandemic because they weren't able to handle the capacity. And I was like, Hey, I should have priority treatment. I was here first. I'm a long time <laughs> customer. What are you doing? Um, obviously I, I adjusted that, but um, you know, it did take, it, I, I found, I did find myself, my solution over the last year was to throw myself into work and just full out commit and not worry because you couldn't get together with other people, um, which I enjoyed so for the longest time. And then, so we get to community. So there are, I think, I find that, yeah, that's a good question. I think the things, I think one of the things I've thought a lot about in the last couple of years is what I want. I'm always looking for some kind of, um, and what I want from, and mm -hmm. I find that as a business owner, I like to have, I don't necessarily want to, I don't really seek out people who do what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm more interested in the, like, I want to hear what people who run other kinds of businesses are doing mm -hmm. like how what's working for you because mm -hmm. i always feel like that idea might be interesting to bring into what i'm doing mm -hmm. i won't get that if i'm in a room of people who do the same as i do we're just going to get really the same and that's not yeah. interesting um i also find that it's i'm as interested in and i feel like i've been thinking about this more as just with the events, how things have unfolded in the last year and the desire for more. I am starting to feel like I want more connection and community. I still tend to look for it mostly through online communities. Yeah. And it's mind sort of, I don't know if I want to say mindset. Um, there is a, there's sort of a shared approach to the way we think, the way of, a way of thinking about things. And so yeah. for me, the other thing that's been really new for me is learning more about how my brain works and the concept of mindset and what we can, and, and just the neuroplasticity of the brain and how I can improve that mm -hmm. and make that more efficient, more effective and healthier. Um, so I like talking to people who are 
who like exploring that and like, you know, knowing about that. Um, and people who are looking to, I am definitely drawn to communities of people who are challenging themselves still. I'm not as drawn to people who are comfortable and want to keep things as they are. I guess, that, you know, well, before my community was largely around the people I worked with. Mm-hmm. People I worked with in different contexts, whether I worked with them, you know, worked with them in the context of my professional vocation, work with them in the context of volunteer work or projects. And now it's more on, a, on, I don't want to say philosophy, that sounds a little loose, but it's, yeah, I think there are worldviews because I like it when people think differently. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. You know, I find, I, I'm not so interested in being in a room of people who, I mean, sometimes let's face it i want to be in a room with people who agree with me and think i'm right <laughs> there That's there true. are days we can admit that yes <laughs> there are days where it's just like please just i just need to be in a room with people who think exactly the way i do on all of these things so that we can yep. i can calm down and then i'll go back out into the world that is diverse and where people have different ways of looking at things and i'll embrace that again <laughs> yeah yeah, um, I think that it's one of the things I noticed that as organizations um, in all of the things that I'm, you know, trying to stay on top of for my clients is I notice organizations really am trying to understand what diversity means mm-hmm. and how does that work and how do you measure that and assess that? You know, part of it is that it's like it's really hard to work with people who are different from you. You yeah. need people to find the best solution, you need to have a diverse group of people who think in different ways, working together towards a common solution or common goal. Mm-hmm. It's hard, <laughs> you know? It if you I, know, it's have, funny you- if I say something to you and we think the same way about it, we'll skip some conversation and you'll say, yeah, yeah, and? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah. And that just feels so easy. Mm-hmm. But we need, you know, but we, we need, need the hard. We need the hard. We need to learn yeah. how to do that because it's important um, yeah. and it will make things better ultimately. But sometimes it just, it's, I used to do a lot of change management in organizations. And the one thing that was consistently true, and I think is true for us today because it's kind of true for people that we're all about change as long as you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. Long as it's all you, if you all change, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Oh, you mean I have to change some too? Well, hold on. I don't think I'm the problem. <laughs> That's going to be yeah, hard. I've always seen in relationship, romantic <laughs> relationships, I've always <coughs> held the belief that uh, one of the reasons opposites attract is that they're so very different than you on fundamental things. I've always yeah. seen that as an advantage from the perspective of, okay, you're, you see it this way. I see it this other way together. We cover more ground. We're capable of more together than on our own, because we have this wider field of knowledge, experience, whatever. The trick though, is that most, no, I don't even have data to support most people. Many people in my experience do not see differences in that light and do not approach them with that spirit so it devolves into finger pointing you're wrong i'm right blah 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 which that's fundamental to diverse groups of people be they two or more yeah to have (laughs) to make it work yeah you have to have that some measure of that perspective that this is a good thing not a problem. Our diversity is not the problem to be solved. Our diversity is the tool by which we are solving this other bigger problem. Yeah. And I think what excites me is that that's what I see companies grappling with now. Yeah. They're moving below the demographic diversity. Check, check, Mm -hmm. check, check. What did I fill out? I filled out a survey the other day. I think it was the SBA PPP loan forgiveness form. I was very, very mixed feelings about their demographic checklist it was optional (laughs) but it literally said are you hispanic or latino or not and i found that to be wildly uncomfortable as like really you're checking one i mean i think we know what demographic you're asking about but why would you do that like that is very creepy 
um, but that's how we typically assess diversity, right? We look at demographic, things we can mm -hmm. assess demographically. And while demographics can imply differences and diversity of perspectives, thought, yeah, yeah, it's it's not. Check, I can't count how many clients I've had who've come to me from all demographic check boxes saying, I just don't want to be checking a box. I want yeah. them to look at me like me. And it's not even, and it becomes not even about the hire. It's like, I want them to treat me like I'm a person and a professional, not a box that they just check. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm glad, which is why I'm glad to see that companies are starting to identify what does this mean? The mm -hmm. same thing is happening with employee engagement. Employee engagement continues to be a hot topic. It was a hot topic before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It was it's like the World Health Organization had just uh, added a category of um, occupational burnout as a, as a classification, mm -hmm. as one of the, I think one of the disease classifications. That's, that's a little intense. Yeah. Or yeah. occupational burnout, seriously, not wildly measurable yet, but okay. Um, that's a little scary. And it's because the numbers of dissatisfaction are so high. Before mm -hmm. the pandemic, it was like 80% of the population globally and 75% in the US were unhappy and unsatisfied with what they did. So it's, it's a global- There's a lot of unhappy global, people. Right. It's a global pandemic in its own right until the, you know, covid kicked in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people would have treated it more seriously if they could have had, if there were tighter measures around what happens when you're that stressed and unhappy. Um, what does it do to you? <clears throat> so it's back as a topic. But the good thing is now people are, I, I've seen companies make a bit of an effort to identify not engagement, but what do you need? How do we take care of our employees as people? What can we provide to them? So you have certain companies going, okay, we're going to give you um, like tech free days, basically you go offline, you do whatever you want, you disconnect mm -hmm. for an X number of days. And then people come back refreshed because if you take a vacation and you take all your, and you stay connected with work, you don't come back refreshed. Yeah. That's not really, you don't a get vacation. a benefit. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a vacation and you didn't get the benefit. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm pleased to see, and I'm hoping that continues. I'm real, but it, 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 excites me to see that companies are looking at one they're going we need to take responsibility and look at how we care for our employees if we want to you know they're seeing the connection between employee health and wellness and mm -hmm. company success yeah and they're starting to see the connection between i talked to a client yesterday who's very much a process person and we were talking about her big achievement she said one of them was just helping people see that it's not just about the tech it's about people, processes, and technology together. Like mm -hmm. the people, and it's not just, you know, how many, it's not people as resources, where project management always refers to people as resources, mm -hmm. not people. And I think, you know, human resources, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which I think is why some organizations have gone towards, you know, the chief of people, the head of people. Yeah. They're trying to re-inject people, the human element, yeah. so that you are fully empowered and, and want to give back here. Um, but it's good that they're thinking about things. And it makes me think about those things even as a small business owner, because mm -hmm. it doesn't just apply to big companies. That's I've seen true. small companies have a very difficult time with their first couple of hires because they don't, I think part of it is that they don't really understand what they've done. Yeah. <laughs> right. You didn't just get a, you didn't get a robot to do things. This is a yeah. person and there's more to this management thing than do this task. Yeah. yeah, that is so true. So here's a good question. What do you do for fun? <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, you know, so one of the things I do for fun is, so I've still worked part-time as an actor. I haven't, I mean, theater took a big hit with the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I have not been that involved since before the pandemic. I do still work part-time. I do this part-time thing for medical schools. I work as a standardized patient. So it's an acting job where you help medical students and other clinical learners, how help them learn how to communicate with patients. And so- Wow, they, um, that's really needed. <laughs> right? It's that's a high value. It, it, it is such a rewarding- you know, the hobby part 
the fun part is I get to act. I get to portray different characters because you have a whole profile of a patient and their personality type and their challenges and um, how they respond to things. And then you have the medical case. And then mm-hmm. it's up to the, the student or the doctor or the clinician, whatever role they might have to, you know, then we assess as standardized patients, how their communication skills impact us as a person. Uh, and it's, it's rewarding, you know, I've done some, I've done a lot of work in the um, palliative care side mm-hmm. where learners are learning how to talk, give people bad news mm-hmm. and give people you know, bad news is in you're dying or your loved one is dying or guide them through that process. And I find that the most rewarding, I think, because it's just so, you know, because it's not actually happening to me. It's fun. As an actor, you get to play this dramatic moment thing. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I've been, I've been on the receiving end of that bad news for myself or on the chair Mm -hmm. next to someone receiving it. And it's important. Yeah. Um, So, and every once in a while you get to do the psych cases, which are sometimes you get to play someone with a bit of personality (laughs) oh boy (laughs) Um, so there's that um I'm curious you know for a while I was taking some acting classes for fun just fun to do Mm -hmm. that is probably my favorite hobby um you know I'm not doing a lot else at this point because the world shut down here so uh I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a tv watcher I don't really mm. watch current TV though. I'll stream mm. old episodes of previous things yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. I can binge watch. I find that I am unsatisfied. Once binge watching became a thing, I became wildly unsatisfied with this one episode at a time thing. I know, I know. And now it's so bad. I don't even want to wait for an, I'll wait until the show has been on I know. all the seasons and they're not making any more before I watch one episode because I don't want to wait. Yeah, I, I accidentally, so this is what I accidentally saw the first three episodes of a season of something the other day. And I'm like, what do you mean? That's all. Oh, forget it. I'm not coming back until you're done. <laughs> I was so irritated that it wasn't a complete season, at least. You know, what occurred to me is that <laughs> is we've taken, time. we've taken TV uh, full circle to back to the way we want to consume books, uh, you know? Like that impatience you and I just expressed (laughs) for the next episode or the next season, we don't have to put up with when we're reading books. And that reminded me so much of why I was such an avid reader for so long. And now I'm coming back to that. But that's something those two phenomena have in common. Yeah, interesting. I hadn't really thought about that because I will go back. I'll go back and watch other series, like especially when they're long ones. I'll be mm-hmm. like, let me watch this one through. I am, um, yeah. So I'm not necessarily early. I'm not an early watcher. I'm a late to the party. Oh, that was yeah. an interesting series. Oh, it's over. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say yeah. that I intentionally moved earlier than the pandemic so I could watch stuff pre-pandemic and not. I watched a couple of ser- TV episodes or a season of something even that was filmed during the pandemic. I did not, everybody was in masks and then not mat. It was weird and awkward. And that was, I was like, oh, that was an interesting experiment. I don't care for it. <laughs> I know, you know, I sit and I watch old reruns of MASH and oh, I think, what are we, what are we, us and our culture today going to look like 50 <laughs> years from now when they're rewatching reruns of stuff we're producing now. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I was watching some stuff, watching things from like the 90s, 90s and early 2000s. And there's a lot of stuff that aired then that I don't think would be on the, well, it's not like I watch television currently, so I can't tell, but I'm like, is why it's much more inappropriate now than it was then, you know, especially mm-hmm. along the lines of boys will be boys, you know, mm-hmm. boys being all like having to have sex right away and no control and girls being all flirty and trying to have sex and then saying no no it's like that that stuff wouldn't really fly today i don't mm. think like mm, we, 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 mm. that doesn't feel as comfortable today as it did then it was funny now it's like oh that's not funny now that's not funny yeah um, yeah i love watching the documentaries and docuseries I, i'm just sound like it's funny that's definitely a more recent phenomenon i didn't like that as a kid but mm-hmm. boy do i like watching them now i'm not too sure I think just because I, sometimes I just want to cling to facts. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me something solid to stand on. Yeah. yeah. Give me something concrete. Oh, mm -hmm. I'll take that. Not one of those, oh, and we still don't know what happened things. Don't do that. I have a lot of that already. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got three questions for you to wrap this okay. up that I want off the cuff, <laughs> your best answer as it hits your brain. Okay. You ready? Yep. One, two, three. Here we go. What was the worst thing about being you? Oh, the noise in my head never, ever stops. My brain okay. works like 110% of the time and is often pretty amped up. Yep. What's the best thing about being you? You know, I think the best thing is, is also my brain. I love my mm. brain. My brain has bailed me out of so many situations, saved my life in many occasions, even just, I mean, and even in terms of like when I was in, uh, when I was young, I, I just wanted to get out of my house so badly. I had, I could never quite figure out how to get along with my dad. He could never quite figure out how to be a really emotionally supportive dad. And mm -hmm. uh, my brain is what got me freedom. It got me perks. Uh, you know, I worked crazy hard and did well in school. But that got me the freedom to get out of the house, to go participate with friends and go do things. My brain has been very good to me. I'm not like surprised to hear the answer to those two is the same. I would probably <laughs> answer the same way. Mm. Yeah. Okay, third one. What's the thing you're most proud of so far in your life? Mm. You know, I think without giving this a whole lot of thought, I feel like I'm proud of, prou I'm proud of doing things that people said couldn't be done. Mm. So I've had my business since 2007 and I flipped on a dime. Okay, wait, I, I, I took like six months and then switched. Mm -hmm. I, if I were to do it again, I would have done some things wildly differently. Uh, like learned a little bit about what I was getting into, yeah. but you know, it's 2021 and I still have my business and I'm still really good at it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I am so excited every client I help get where they want to go. That fills me with delight and joy and such happiness. Um, I look back further than that. You know, I created and launched a couple of theater companies who did good work. Mm -hmm. We're able to, you know, we were, we weren't equity, but we paid people. That was a rarity. Yeah. Um, I was really proud of like doing these things that people thought you couldn't just do. Even my, you know, in my- So you're the whole my beer girl, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Even when I was in corporate, I was so proud of, like, I built the largest team. We had a whole organizational structure and career pathing for everyone. And I worked so hard to build up my team mm -hmm. and encourage, you know, I built all of my, let's make sure you're doing what you love thing into the team that I led. Mm -hmm. Um and so when I got promoted to vice president, the first thing I did was get a ice cream cake from Baskin Robbins and said, we are celebrating as a team because while I got the promotion, you all are doing the work and I need to thank you first. Um, I was just so, and you know, that hadn't been done. That hadn't mm -hmm. been done in the company I was in. Mm -hmm. It was their first female executive in technology on the tech side. That felt. Yeah. So there are things that I'm like, I did it. I'm very proud of that. I'll never forget my last full-time, my last boss, when he hired me, he was like, oh my God, you're an engineer. I was, he's like, not another one. I was like, what's wrong with that? He was like, you think you can do anything? And I remember looking at him going, what is your problem? You can do anything. It's just a question <laughs> of whether it's worth doing. And he was like, this is why I'm hiring you, but holy cow. <laughs> and I think I've always, I always do that. Like that's in my, it's in my makeup. It's like, well, we can. I don't know that the engineering put it into me. I got pretty beat up in engineering school. Yeah. Um, my mother would probably call it stubbornness, but there's an element of, well, if I think it's worth it, I mean, you have to check and see if it's worth it. You don't just do things, but yeah. of course it can be done. Just how you just have to figure out how you want to do that thing, whatever it is. So. Okay, well, you have just inadvertently gotten yourself another episode of Suzanne Says because, oh, girl, Yay! now I got a whole like three times longer list of questions for you. But I'm going to wrap this Love up it. for today. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so Come much. In. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. Because Lori, I love talking about this kind of stuff and I love talking about it with people who love talking about it. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so 
Thank you very much for your time today, my dear. And we will absolutely do this again. <laughs> yeah. All righty, girl. Thanks, Thanks We will talk soon. Perfect. If you're hell-bent on wringing every last drop of awesome out of this life and the time you have here, I invite you to visit SuzanneSaysPodcast.com for more conversations and to subscribe. If you'd like to be a guest and have a conversation, email me at Let's Talk at SuzanneSaysPodcast.com. Thanks for listening.